Well, our passage this morning comes from Mark chapter 5, so feel free to turn there with me, and I will read our passage for us, and then ask the Lord to bless his, uh, his word and the preaching of it. So if you would like to, you can stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. This is Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Hear now the word of the Lord. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and bruising himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us into the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out, and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled, and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus, and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now, and we ask your power and your presence by your Holy Spirit to strengthen our hearts to hear your word, that your Holy Spirit would apply it to us and make it fruitful in our lives unto salvation. And we ask this all in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. It's here. So as I was preparing this sermon, there was an event recently in my life and in my some friends' lives that came that came to pass this summer that uh, I think in a certain way relates to what we see in this passage. So this summer, my wife and my kids, we haven't been camping as a family before, and I grew up camping, my wife grew up camping, and we were very excited to go with some of our friends. We live on the seminary campus at Westminster, and we had arranged this camping trip right when they had loosened the restrictions of COVID in June. And we were getting ready to go, and we that we were going to go to Mammoth Lakes. And, you know, there's bears up in Mammoth Lakes, if you've ever been there. And there's a lot of bears, it turns out. And so we did our reading, you know, how do we prepare for encountering bears, and what do we do? And, and so my friend and I, we read about them. 
Well, we get there, and this is right after the restrictions had been loosened, so nobody had been up there. It's June. So usually there's a month of people that's been up there. Bears are used to it, and they go off into the woods. And the, the gal that was running the campsite said to us, you know, there's been some more bears this year down here that we've seen in the last week getting everything ready. So just be aware, and if you see them, make some noise, but they're not a problem. And so every night we would go to bed. And when we'd go to bed, you'd hear people around the campsite banging pots and pans and yelling at the bear to get out. But it never came into our campsite until one night. Uh, a friend, one of my friends we went there with, he woke up early in the morning, had to use the restroom or something, and when he was coming back, a giant black bear was in the middle of our campground. Now, our campsites were about the size of this patio area, and this black bear was from him, me to you, that distance. And it was, you know, four or five hundred pound black bear. And he just did not know what to do, and he froze. We're in our tents, and I hear all of a sudden, get out of here, bear, get out of here, bear. And I'm laying in my tent, I have a hatchet by my, by my bed in case this thing gets out of, out of control. And he just is st stunned and froze and doesn't know what to do, and is just yelling at this bear to get out of here. Because he's finally encountered something that is more powerful than he is. And he realizes, I am powerless before this animal. And I am completely at its mercy what it chooses to do. And I think that relates to our passage today because Jesus shows his power in a way that is unparalleled in almost any of his other miracles that he's done. So if we look into now, we can look into the book of Mark and our passage, it comes on the heels of a series of events of miracles that Jesus performs. The most recent event that he just performed was when he had stilled the sea. He was with his disciples uh, teaching on the other side of the lake. And he goes out on the sea, and it's a storm, and we all know the story, and Jesus tells the sea to be still, and instantaneously that sea stops. It doesn't move anymore. And now he comes to the other side of the sea, and the moment he steps out of the boat, he's encountered this man with an unclean spirit. Or as we see, he's possessed by a legion of demons. And in this story, we're going to see the response of all these people. The man that's possessed by the demons, the demons themselves, I should, we should say, the townspeople, and then this man who's set free from the demons. And they all have the same response. They all beg. They all beg Jesus. So that's what we're going to see, is that just like these people and these demons, we're all beggars before Jesus Christ. That's who we are, and now we're going to see what their responses are. So, the demonic response. How do these demons respond to Jesus when they encounter him? It's an immediate encounter. The moment that Jesus sets foot out of this boat, he, it says, immediately, this is Mark's favorite word he likes to use in this, in this gospel, immediately there met him out of the tombs. It's almost as if Jesus has one foot in the boat and one foot on the sea, and this demon-possessed man comes to meet him. And then Mark describes who, what this possession is like. This en encounter is recorded for us in all three Gospels, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Mark gives us some extra detail here that the others don't. It tells them that no one could bind him anymore. And then it gives us this, that they was bound with shackles and chains, but he could wrench them apart. And he broke these shackles. And they basically said, we don't know what to do with this man, just let him be off in the tombs, out in the mountains, crying, screaming, cutting himself, doing
doing all these incredible, incredibly atrocious things to himself. He's a man who is utterly uncontrollable, and nobody could subdue him. It's almost as if the text is pointing us to that point. No one could subdue this man. And it's this spiritual confrontation that, we're, we're, that Mark brings to us about what happens here. And what happens is the demons, once they encounter Jesus, it tells us, when they see him, when this man saw him from afar, he ran and fell down before him. This demon, or these demons, they knew that the moment that Jesus steps on the scene, they're powerless. They have encountered a power far beyond what they're able to do. And they fall down before him, and they plead. They understand they're completely at Jesus' disposal. And what they try and do here shows the nature of these demons. In the ancient world, they used to have these, uh, this understanding that of, of magic and the way that people would try and control the world. is if you could invoke the name of certain deities or spirits, you could control them. And that's what this spirit tries to do here. He says, what have you to do with me, Jesus? And he says, Jesus' title. This is a divine title for Jesus. Son of the Most High God. This demon, he's saying, I know who you are, and I'm going to expose who you are. And this was a problem, because Jesus knew he was trying to hide his identity at least explicitly from the, the people because he knew what the people would want to do with him. He knew, if you know who I am, if you know what I can do, you will try and take me and make me king. And we see this happen throughout the Gospels. Once the people see Jesus' power, they say, we need to make this man king. If he can eradicate diseases, if he can conquer demons, think of what he can do to Rome. And so this demon reveals who Jesus is in an attempt to gain mastery over Jesus. And he says, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. And so Jesus says, if this is the game we're going to play, I'm not going to reveal your name. You are going to reveal your name to me. Jesus says, tell me your name. What's your name, demon? You know who I am. I know who you are, but you need to reveal yourself. And it's in that moment that Jesus knows, and this demon knows, that this demon has lost all of his power. He has no more power over Jesus. And what this means is that the Son of God's presence on earth was the entrance of the kingdom of God into this world. The demons knew Jesus is bringing with him this kingdom, which we have this power over this man, but we cannot stand before the kingdom that Jesus Christ is bringing. See, the raging storm had to bow before Jesus that they saw just before this. And now these demons must bow before Jesus. They are at his disposal. And all they can beg for is that judgment and torment would be delayed. What they beg for is more time. They know judgment is coming. And all they can ask Jesus for is, send us into the pigs, these unclean animals from a Jewish perspective. And they're far more aware than the whole world of what the kingdom of God brings for those who reject it. They understand. We know what's coming. And the problem is that what the demons beg for is what so often humans beg for. Just a little more time. 
people all the time say, you know, I'm, I understand what this gospel says. I understand who Jesus is, but I'm not ready to commit my life to him. I'm not ready to receive this gospel and to believe it. Even when judgment is coming, and we know it's here at our door, we still want to hang on to this world. Lot's wife looked back when she was fleeing from Sodom and being destroyed. She still looked back, wanting to return to the things of this world. And Jesus warns us that anyone who looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And just like these demons, we too are completely outmatched for Jesus' power. We can't escape the judgment that's coming. It's coming. But Acts 17 says this, that the times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. There will be no more begging in that day of judgment. There will be no more stay of judgment. And so today, if you're here and you're thinking to yourself, maybe a little more time. The time to repent and turn to Christ is now. Today is the day of repentance. Now, Jesus permits the demons to carry out their request. The demons are only set on destruction. And we see the nature of this demon. They said we're legion, which is a a military term for uh, a group of soldiers, up to thousands of them, sometimes 5,000. And we see that 2,000 pigs, this man was able to do these incredible things because he had an army of demons inside of his body, inside of his soul, tormenting him. And 2,000 pigs rush into the sea, and they're drowned. And it causes the city to come back to see what happens. And this is our second point, is that the city responds. And the city responds by begging Jesus. So the man is set free from these demons. These demons rush into the sea, and then the text tells us that, that the herdsmen flee to the city. And they go in and say, you have to see what happened. Now imagine these are herdsmen and they just had 2,000 of their pigs. This is a lot of money. You know, you think in, in today's parlance, it would be a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of pigs just drowned themselves in the sea. And they're thinking, this man who we couldn't subdue just, drowned, just was set free. And then hundreds of thousands of dollars just got flushed down the train, down the drain in the sea. And so they're thinking, you guys have to see this. Something, this is out of control. And so they go in, they tell the people of the city. And they all come back. And what do they find when they come back? And what they saw was the man who had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And the text says something very interesting. It says they were afraid. Why were they afraid? Jesus had just set this man free. You would think these people would be rejoicing, that they would be excited and saying, this guy who none of us could subdue, that was tormented by demons, raving stark and cutting himself, we're free from him. We've lost some pigs, but praise the Lord. But no, they're afraid. Why are they afraid? These townspeople immediately knew that they were in the presence of a power far greater 
than anything they had ever seen. See, they had just witnessed a spiritual battle beyond anything that they would ever see. But their fear is not one of hope. Not one of hope in who Jesus is. Their fear is trepidation in the face of power. And how do they respond? What Mark does here is, it's an irony. What he does is, he says they beg, just like the demons beg. But the demons said, send us away into the pigs. But what these townspeople do is they beg Jesus, go away, Jesus. These are the two responses that we all have for Jesus when we don't want him. Send us away, or send you go away, Jesus. We don't want you here. Basically, they were saying, what have you to do with us, Jesus, son of the most high God? Mark is saying, it is still a demonic response that these people are giving to Jesus. They saw no delight in him. There was nothing lovely about who Jesus was and what he had done for them. All they saw was a threat. They failed to see the power of God saving this man. They failed to see that Jesus Christ had delivered them from the power of Satan. Their only concern was for themselves. Mark gives us an extra detail here in verse 16. He says, When they had seen it, those who had seen it described to them the city, what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and to the pigs. They saw, Jesus, you are a threat to us. You are a threat to what I want. You are a threat to what I am trying to accomplish in this world. They were more concerned with their own well-being than with the kingdom of God and being delivered from darkness. And how much are we like these townspeople? We are afraid of what Jesus' power means for our lives. We fear it. We know that it once it comes into our lives, Jesus can demand anything of us. What does Jesus say in Mark 8 later in this book? What does it profit a man if he gains his life or if he gains the whole world but forfeits his life. Instead of running to Jesus as a refuge, they flee from him. See, the moment we encounter Jesus' authority, we want to send him away. And the people did outwardly to Jesus what we do all the time in our hearts. When we feel Christ's demand upon our hearts, when we say, Lord, not yet. Lord, I don't want this. I want to hold on to these things. I want to hold on to pigs. This is my source of income. I don't want to give this up. See, we see in Jesus the one who executes judgment on the world of darkness and Satan. And in a sad twist, we're not ready to be delivered from that darkness. But the good news for all of us here is that Jesus displays himself as the son of, mo- of most, the most high God who came not in judgment upon us, but he came in mercy. He came to deliver us from the power of Satan. It would be a sad story as if, as, as if this is where the story end, ended today. If all it was was people sending Jesus away and Jesus sending demons away. But Mark 
immediately juxtaposes for us the response of this city and the response of the man who was set free. And this is our third point this morning. The man responds. And this man also begs. See, it's the ultimate irony of those who beg. The man, when, G- when he was demon-possessed, he begged Jesus to let the demons stay near him. Do not send them away. I adjure you by God, do not torment me. And then Jesus sends them away, and they beg, let's send us away into pigs. The city begs, go away from us. But once this man experiences the mercy of God, once God's mercy is poured out on his life, he begs that he might be near Jesus. See, a man who had been so overwhelmed by the power of darkness, who felt in himself a literal army of demons, he was tormented day and night, he finally experienced the peace and the serenity that the mercy of Christ brings, setting him free and liberating him from this darkness. John Newton has a a song where he has this line, midst all the hell I feel within. And it's something that's kind of hard to sing sometimes, but I'm certain that this man could confidently sing those words. He felt in himself the power and the depth of hell. And what did he do knowing Christ's mercy? He begged that he might be with him. This is the request. Let me be your disciple, Jesus. And Mark makes explicit something in this passage that none of the other gospel writers do. And it's in verse uh, 19. And Jesus says, no, you can't go with me, says, and he did not permit him, and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. The only thing that is going to transform you and me from someone who wants to send Jesus away is to know and experience the mercy of God. That's the only thing that's going to give us hope and peace in this life. That's the only thing that's going to change us from people who want to see send Jesus away, is when we see and recognize His mercy. And not just on others, but His mercy that's poured out on us. Go home and tell them how I have had mercy on you. Romans chapter 2 says, It is God's kindness that is meant to lead us to repentance. It's not just simply seeing how much we failed, how much we need to do better. As much as that's as important as those things are. It's not even seeing the power of Jesus. It's only seeing that Jesus, the all-powerful Son of Most High God, has had mercy on us, miserable sinners. That's the hope. That's the peace that this man said, I am running to you, Jesus. Have mercy on me. I'm begging you. I'm begging you, let me stay with you. And the good news for us all is that Jesus transformed a man who begged for demons to stay into a man who now begged to stay with Jesus. Jesus changed a raving, violent, demon-possessed man into a calm, sober-minded follower. And if Jesus can change him, Jesus can change you. It's astonishing. There's nothing else we can say. If God could change this man, 
There's nothing we can say. God could change me. There's no darkness, no sin, nothing in us that is too great for Christ to overcome. And so are you here today and you feel that darkness in your heart? Maybe it feels like the depths of the power of hell. What this man felt. Does your sin rise up in you and you feel that judgment? You feel that darkness, that condemnation that it brings. Maybe you're like the city dwellers and you think, I don't want this. Jesus shows that just like the demons that were no match for him, your sin and the darkness of your heart and your life is also no match for him. Colossians chapter 1 said to us earlier, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That is how Christ overcomes the kingdom of darkness, redemption, forgiveness of sins. And it is only when we have experienced this mercy that Christ brings that we'll be able to re-enter into the world like this man did. It's, Jesus tells him, go back to your friends. You have to think in, your, in that situation, his friends didn't want anything to do with him. He was crazy. Now, I want you to go right back to those friends who think you're crazy. They're not going to trust him. They're going to think, you're just demon-possessed. We don't know about you. And Jesus says, tell them about all I've done and how I've had mercy. That's the only thing that will overcome that shame, that embarrassment that we feel. That Jesus, We say, God is merciful to me, a sinner. God has had mercy on me. I know what I've done. I don't know how this man ended up with demons. We don't know his circumstance. But we know, he said, I'm going right back. I know the mercy of Christ. And I want to go right back and tell everybody about this Jesus. All that darkness and evil that would make us ashamed, Christ has taken away. And I borrowed the title of my sermon, We Are Beggars, from the great reformer Martin Luther. In his, on his deathbed, or after he had died, his friends went through his pockets to make sure you know, he had nothing else in his clothes, and, and they had a couple pamphlets of paper. And they know for sure one of the things that was written on those papers was this phrase, We Are Beggars. This is true. See, for those outside of Christ, that's not a comfort. But for those of us who know Christ and his mercy, it's a wonderful comfort when we're facing the prospect of death. So brothers and sisters here today, we're all beggars. And we beg Christ for mercy. But the hope that you and I have is that Christ has had mercy on us. He's forgiven us. He's redeemed us from this darkness. So let us rejoice today in this deliverance that Christ has given to all of us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you for the gift of your son Jesus, who has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his own, and that we live in this kingdom now. And we pray that it would hasten and that we would one day be with you to see our Savior Jesus face to face one day. We give praise to you by your Holy Spirit. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus.